I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. What's up, everybody? Jay Pitts here, broker owner at Remax Premier Properties and your host of Resource Real Talk about Louisville Real Estate. Welcome back to the podcast. Want to uh, say thank you to all of you just right up front for all the amazing feedback we've gotten over our last couple of episodes. I really do appreciate uh, knowing that we were missed during the COVID-19 hiatus. Um, and I've got a really, really exciting uh, topic for you here today. I'm pretty, pretty excited to come to you. This is the fruits of my, you know, four, three and a half months stay at home, uh, doing a deep dive into where I feel like our market was headed, what were the impacts of COVID-19, uh, among other things, among other things. But, um, you know, to say that we're in unprecedented times is a bit of an understatement, frankly. So where we're at today is we are going to explain the inventory shortage, um, the crisis, if you will, that we find ourselves in as local Louisville real estate agents here uh, here, here in the state of Kentucky. So um, without further ado, I'm going to get into... Um, a little bit of heaviness in terms of statistics and numbers. I hope you can appreciate that. But what I hope to leave you with is some very um, actionable conclusions, some things, some talking points, some explanations, some context that you can go to your clients with and help them understand how the events of the last several months have shaped the home buying and selling experience here in the city of Louisville. Now, you know, our last episode, we talked about three bulletproof strategies that you need to master and employ to be successful in this market. Um, this can be uh, just as valuable, you know, in your pursuit of those things. We talked to you about filtering your sphere of influence in your database for new listing inventory. We talked to you about how to secure the listing and talk to your client amidst the challenges that they may be experiencing or the fears they may be experiencing, overcoming some objections that are typical and a little more relevant for right now. And we talked to you about how to win multiple offer situations, um, certainly imperative in terms of today's market. Um, today, we're going to talk to you about how we landed in these current conditions and why these specific strategies are necessary. Um, and I just want to start out by, you know, citing some very simple statistics from the Greater Louisville Association of Realtors. Um, and, and I'm more than happy if you want to reach out to me, I did it this morning on a call with a few of our agents here showing them how to compile some of this data for themselves. I'm going to share the screen here in a minute and show you some things that I'm looking at and what I'm following. But um, more importantly, I just want to talk to you that about a very simple thing to follow, which a lot of you have probably heard, may not completely understand, um, but 
something called absorption rate. Okay, absorption rate is a measure that essentially takes into account the the amount of inventory we have, the number of homes for sale, uh, as compared to how quickly homes are selling. I'm going to share the screen and show you where we are at currently uh, in terms of absorption rate, and and help you understand that basically we are at historically low levels of supply right now. If you can see, and I apologize, I'm going to uh, be a little leery of, of what I'm showing you. Hopefully I'm showing you the right thing, but uh, we're at 1.89 months supply in June of 2020. Uh, we are currently year to date trending about 2.1 months of supply. Now, what does that mean? What that means is basically, very simply, if not another single home were listed at the current rate at which homes are selling or being absorbed, we would run out of inventory in 1.89 months based on the full year of 2020 in terms of pace of sale, we would run out of inventory in 2.1 months. So this is a very, and that's, that, that marks about an 18% change year over year. Um, you know, in terms of year to date numbers and month over month, well, year over year for the month of June, that's a 32% decline. Um, pretty impactful, right? Pretty impactful to understand that one day you have homes to sell and the next day you don't. Um, I'm going to help you understand why that is today. Okay. I'm going to talk to you about some, some other numbers, but absorption rate is something you should follow. If you don't, jump into the statistics. You should get into the market summary. It's a very telling situation, very telling numbers that are shared with you very easily in Flex MLS. I would highly recommend that you do that. All right. So we're at historically low inventory levels. You probably heard it. Just talk to you about um, the measure that is typically used to, to most easily capture where we're at in terms of inventory, which is the absorption rate. So let's talk about um, let's talk about some reasons why. Now, uh, in my estimation, you can break down these reasons into two categories. There are natural occurrences, and there are artificial occurrences. Okay, natural um, is something I'm going to refer to, and this is not like a textbook term. This is something that these are these are terms that I'm assigning to the situation. So please. Um, give me a little latitude and, and understand the context. Okay, you're not going to find these in any textbook. Um, my, obviously, COVID-19 and the pandemic is a natural occurrence. The virus, you know, happened. Um, it was not a matter of policy. Okay, but I'm going to look at it as an artificial influence. Okay, naturally developing influences would be, you know, uh, things like, um, you know, there being more millennials uh, in the market buying and selling right now versus baby boomers, like the generational influences are going to be naturally occurring. Um, COVID is an artificial influence on the market. It, the market could not possibly have seen it coming. Bam, it happens and it obviously has an impact. So I'm going to talk to you about natural versus artificial influences, okay? Um, and, and I'm gonna draw some connection between both supply and demand, despite the fact that today we're mostly talking about supply. Um, 
you understanding the the relationship between supply and demand is incredibly important. All right, so let's talk about what um, some back some backstory and back information um, that helps set the stage. Okay, so understanding right one understanding you should bring to this is that the millennial generation uh, is pretty much the driving force in today's real estate market. Now, what are millennials? Uh, millennials defined as the age group of 25 to 39, loosely, uh, but 25 to 39. What you should know about this group is essentially they make up a large percentage of the buying market, which you can probably imagine. Um, but they also also make up a truly substantial segment of the seller's market. Um, currently, millennials account for 31% of all sellers, which is equal to the baby boomer generation, which also makes up 31% of sellers. Um, like I said, I, I figured your inclination would be that millennials make up a large percentage of buyer's market, but maybe not. Maybe you didn't expect that they make up so much of the seller's market. All right. So um, that's, that's I guess, probably also um, impactful to understand that the generation in between, Gen X or ages 40 to 54, make up 25% of sellers. So it's it's a relatively balanced, balanced kind of segment um, between baby boomers at 31%. Gen X at 25%, millennial generation at 31%. That leaves 13%, um, which I think is important to think about. We'll come back to that in a moment for pre-millennials, several different names for that generation, um, and the silent generation, which is the generation that came before baby boomers, ages 75 and up. I would say the majority of that 13% is the silent generation. Uh, very few sellers under the age of 25, there's probably a few, um, but most of them are 75-year-olds um, moving into assisted living, downsizing. I'm sure that accounts also for um, some estate sales and that kind of thing, unfortunately. All right. So millennials, 31% driving force in today's real estate market, make up the majority of buyers. Um they're obviously buying. Why are they buying? They're buying because of life events. They're, some of them buy because of the market. Um, but they are also less affected. Um, there's a lot of cases right now, and we're in the midst of kind of a second wave of COVID infections. And most of the data you're seeing is that um, the growing segment of, of positive COVID cases is in the younger demographic. Um, they also largely recover. Why is this important? I think it's important to understand the sentiment in this generation. Okay, the generation, this is the generation that has kept demand strong. We have seen very strong demand throughout the pandemic uh, over the last few months. What we have seen is a dwindling supply. I'll document that for you in a moment. But this is the generation that wants to buy. They want to buy right now. Um, some of them on the younger end of the spectrum mostly are first-time buyers and don't have the barrier of having something to sell in order to buy. Um, that's another natural impediment to inventory is the fact that a lot of sellers, they, they can't bring their home to market because 
they're faced with buying in an inventory short market. They can't find suitable a suitable next place. All right, important to understand that. All right, so let's let's um, let's kind of move forward with one other piece of information. I'm gonna I'm gonna set up set the stage for you on where our market is today and where it came from. So currently, as of this morning, in the greater Louisville area, okay, not the, the entire MLS, but the greater Louisville, Jefferson and surrounding counties, Louisville has 1,486 active listings. Anecdotally, I've been told that this is about half of what we were carrying last year at this time. I can't substantiate that with the data I have access to, but it is extremely short, suffice it to say. Um, when you consider where the market is um, in terms of listings come to market. I'm going to go ahead and share the screen again. I want to show you a couple of things. Okay. So what we've got here is we've got a graph that illustrates the amount of new listings that have come to market for starting in January of 2019, and please excuse, I know it only says 2019 here on the bottom, but um, basically starting the beginning of 2019 and running through the full year. And then you also have the different colored lines representing the same data for the year of 2020. Now, I want to I want to highlight a few things. I've found most indicative, um, most reliable, most telling to look at the active under contract status in the MLS. For those of you that are not aware, we're not a part of our market. We do have some listers out of market. Active under contract is the status um, where the, the listing gets an accepted offer. Okay. Um, we have a pending status as well that some agents choose to go directly to when their properties sell, but there are, it, oftentimes those are used after the inspection contingency is released. And so I don't find it as reliable. I understand that this skews the data some, but I have no way of knowing. What I can rely on is an active under contract. When it's moved to that status, it just sold. So that, that to me indicates a high reliability in terms of the property just selling, and I can draw inference from that. So, so your, your green line is new listings to market as of week over week from 2019, okay? You can look at these different plot points and see where, where the listings came, okay? The red line is new listings for the same seven-day period in 2020, okay? The yellow line, new active under contract or new sales for 2020. And the blue line, new active under contracts for same seven day periods in 2019. Now, as you can probably tell, the trend line, generally speaking for new sales for 2019 runs below for the bulk of what we've experienced of 2020, except this valley right here between the weeks of essentially the ninth, starting, starting on the 9th of March, okay, and ending on the 27th of April. So you've got, you know, roughly eight weeks where 2020 sales lagged 2019. Aside from that, both before and since sales have exceeded 
2019 numbers. This tells me that we had a pause, a two-month pause as a result of the, the pandemic, where a lot of even millennial eager buyers decided that it was not safe to go out and pursue a home purchase. Simultaneously, inventory cratered during that same eight weeks time span and recovered mostly um, by the middle of May. It was roughly static by the end of, it, it, was, it was approaching the same number by the end of April um, with 2019 data. But as you can see, just as the inverse, just as sales have mostly been better in 2020 versus 2019, so far inventory has lagged even a small amount, except for um, you know a little bit of time in February. Um, inventory has mostly lagged. So what you have is you have a increase in sales. And a simultaneous decrease in inventory, simultaneous decrease in new listings coming to market, creating a substantial, substantial deficit on available properties to sell. All right, um, we can even look at this data pretty substantially for the months marking, and I'm going to get up here into some heavy data for the months marking the start of the COVID crisis until current. Okay, which is week beginning seven six. We are down fourteen hundred, or week beginning six twenty nine is the last week we had completed. We are down fourteen hundred and thirty four listings coming to market over the, that three month period as compared to twenty nineteen. Well, I told you earlier that we had fourteen hundred and eighty six properties on the market as of this morning. We've had an equal number of properties not show up um, on the market at all and even have a chance to sell as compared with twenty nineteen twenty nineteen listings. All right, so what does all this mean? Um, I will tell you that it's crazy out there. You got to be prepared to win a multiple offer situation, um, or you're not going to get a buyer under contract. You got to be adept at getting new listings, or your business is going to suffer. Um, so, but when you have the opportunity to talk to clients about these dynamics and you're trying to explain what is going to help them be successful in today's market, you have to be able to provide context with respect to all of this data. Okay, so why why is this happening? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Um, largely, I will say, and this is anecdotal, uh, which just basically means that this is my observation from being an expert, someone who has transacted in this market for quite some time, someone who pays attention to data, makes inferences, um, and makes business decisions, and it gives advice to other agents so they can make business decisions. Um, as a result you know, and extrapolates kind of what the data means to me. Um, but what I'll tell you is I believe that baby boomer downsizing is still largely a myth. Um, I think this just represents, is represented in the fact that um, price appreciation at higher price points has not been what it is, what it has, has not shown up the way it has in lower price points. Um, 
demand is not, and sales numbers are not quite as good at higher price points than they are at lower price points. As we know, people tend to upgrade when they purchase rather than downsize. And, but we've been taught, you know, for years in this business that when folks grow older, they like to get one level homes, they like to downsize and have less to take care of. However, so much of the baby boomer generation's wealth is in their home, in their primary residence, um, based on what they paid and what one would expect reasonable appreciation rates to be. Um, they have to, they tend to ask a substantial sum for their properties. The cosmetics in those homes are not desirable at large to the, you know, 55% of of move up sellers that come from the ge the generations immediately below, whether it be the millennial or the Gen X generation. So the houses are not worth, they could be based on the square footage, but without substantial upgrade, substantial cosmetic renovation, the houses are not worth what the boomer generation wants them to be worth. So the end result is not selling at all, modifying and, you know, kind of aging in place. That's one, that's a natural occurrence. That's not artificial. That's naturally occurring situation in the marketplace. We have to infer it, but I believe that certain statistics suggest that this is to be true. Um, you know, you can find some other evidence of this in high price points that have substantial days, market cycles, time on market that end up selling at substantially lower prices. But if the financial ability exists to not sell, if there's not a relocation, if they're not moving to relocate to be closer to family in older age, um, you know, the sale just doesn't happen altogether. And, and, and a lot of times doesn't even come to market because it's, you know, um, the realtor, you know, we get to be the bad guy. We get to tell them when we come out to evaluate for a listing that it's not worth what they think it is and um, that leads them to make other actions. Okay, so there's that. It's a natural occurrence. Another natural occurrence is what I would call, um, you know, the trend of infill, uh, the, the trend that sprawl is not desirable to the vast majority of buyers. Um, and, and this manifests in a couple of different ways. Number one, you don't, you see, it manifests in seeing that flipping is a very viable source of inventory. People buy dilapidated structures in areas proximate to town, especially in Louisville um, and a market like ours. People buy dilapidated structures, properties in need of renovation, and they update them and these properties sell at a premium um, to today's buyer. We all see it as real estate agents in this market. Um, you know, we've had to adjust our practices to take to make use of it. A lot of us real estate professionals are partaking in this process as a means to invest ourselves in the arena that we know best, which is residential real estate. I, I couldn't tell you how many of my agents here at Remax Premier Properties flip homes. That's what they do. They create listings, they create leads, they create opportunities, they create revenue, income for themselves and their families by flipping um, 
in addition to the real estate sales practice. Okay, so that's one way it manifests. Another way it manifests is lack of new construction inventory. So let's talk about that. You know, in the 2000 to 2004, um, you know, run up bubble burst, if you will, which you could also say went as late as 2006, pre-Great Recession, you saw a ton of new construction. Okay, part of that was due to available financing for builders, which is not quite around currently. And, um, you know, part of it was that people were more willing during those years to sprawl their communities. Um, In Louisville, that looks like new construction in Hardin County, new construction in Bullock County, this area south, the southern part of Bullock County, Shepherdsville and beyond. that you saw it manifest in areas that are outside of town, but more available uh, building inventory like Mount Washington explode and sell lots to sell at a premium. You saw areas like Crestwood, LaGrange and beyond have tons of new construction activity, Fisherville and Spencer County. Um, Places like that start to really become in vogue and become quite popular because sprawl was much more acceptable to, you know, younger baby boomers, older Gen Xers. Um, and, and essentially, it allowed for market conditions to where demand kept up with supply. Currently, though, you'll still see building in those areas, because there's nowhere else to build. Um, but you see less of it than you did during those eras. So again, less building, Less sprawl equals less building, less building equals less inventory. Okay, going back to baby boomers, their homes are not um, their homes are not desirable to today's buyer, so less properties come to market. All right. Um, so those are those are natural occurrences, natural occurrences, and you can even take it a step back and understand that millennials are the driving force of today's real estate market and the the economy, to be quite honest, because there's 70 million of them, okay? In a country of 350 million people, when one generation comprises such a large percentage of the total population, um, they're going to have a lot of say economically on how business gets done. So that's important to understand. All right, now let's get to artificial influence. COVID. COVID-19 is an artificial influence to what the buyers and sellers think about today's market. And what this artificial influence has done, and I'm going to illustrate for you here in a moment, why our extreme disparity, our, our general disparity was created by natural influence. Our extreme disparity and the difference between 2019 and 2020 is due to artificial influence, COVID-19 namely. So the reason I say this is that we were already at very, very extremely low inventory levels with strong demand um, when COVID happened. Let's talk about COVID specifically. Some facts that we know is that the mortality rate is substantially higher in, in the older generations. So you already have baby boomers that are reticent to bring their homes to market, okay, with an undersupply of 
one level new construction patio home style developments for them to transition into um, just because new construction in and of itself has lagged the market's need. Um, and now all of a sudden you have a mysterious virus hits in March that drastically impacts older generations more than younger generations. So what incentive, you know, extremely infectious, extremely, you know, uh, pervasive in the way that it spreads. These people are not going to want buyers walking through their houses. These people are not going to want real estate agents in their homes. These people didn't want to leave their homes, and rightly so. Uh, so, you know, what, what happened is an already disparate situation was created, was made more disparate by the impact. That's the truth. Okay. Not to mention, folks, the mystery of it all made otherwise, you know, assured sellers and upgrade um, purchasers, it made them leery of, of accepting those very same things. You know, uh, we've talked about a lot in our office over the last three months is showing empathy for people's fears. I think that this is imperative. I think as we continue to kind of reopen the economy and people begin to start moving forward again, you need to understand that fears and reservations are going to impact people's decisions. And something that's already disparate is going to just remain that way and maybe even get more that way. So that's that's what you that's what you end up having. That's how you end up having a three month period where fourteen hundred listings do not arrive, uh, and it's kind of a shame, frankly. And none of us could have controlled it. I'll share my screen one more time before we adjourn for the day. But in in just in just the month of March, I'd like to show you. We had 492 listings come to market the week prior to COVID really hitting the national scene. Okay, if you'd look at that, that was 70 more listings, 69 more listings than the same seven-day period for 2019. Okay, we were trending upward. We had hit a valley. We had recovered from the extremely low number of listings that had come to market last winter with, with an incredible response in the beginning of the year, 382 properties listed the first week of January, uh, which is always more than the few weeks that follow. We, we hit uh, another phenomenal week of 399 listings coming to market uh, that, that end, you know, last week of January, but hit this crescendo just before um, the news broke and then we cratered. You know, we had another 422 the following week, 381, and then fell to 303, which is more like December numbers. Um, December numbers at the end of March is, is going to create some substantial impact on the economy, on the real estate market for sure. But as you can see, um, you know, sales rebounded nicely and now we're in just a very, very interesting spot. Where do we go from here? Hopefully, you know, the next couple of weeks, um, hopefully, you know, we get, 
we get uh, less troublesome numbers, less reason to worry. And, you know, the momentum through good sales numbers continues and it gives people added comfort to bring their properties to market. I think coming away from this, it is imperative to understand how to communicate with potential sellers who are willing to try the market because it's hard to imagine another artificial stimulus uh, to demand is interest rates. I could probably argue both sides of the coin on what it does to supply. Um, it certainly it certainly stimulates buyers by giving them more buying power. But it may also because because of the lack of inventory, we have we have quick appreciation of value, uh, tappable equity and low rates for refinance could be another reason that keeps baby boomers from bringing homes to market. I, I think that the jury's still out on that one, but you know, the stimulus of low rates is going to keep demand strong. The amount of millennials in the marketplace is going to keep demand strong. The question is, where are we going to find inventory to supply the need? I think talking to people who are willing to take advantage of truly historic circumstances. I mean, you have literally, you know, statistical anomalies colliding in favor of, of sellers right now with low interest rates, um, you know, with extreme lack of inventory, uh, it's incredible just how much willing sellers can benefit. The question is, can they buy? If they're moving up into a softer market than they're selling, might be a good idea. Might be appropriate for some to consider temporary housing, renting for a year, seeing what happens. Um, what I know is, is that when historic occurrences, and trust me, I've in my career experience, plenty, the Great Recession, the bubble burst of 2004 to six, the recovery, um, inventory, crazy inventory shortage. I, I've seen it all in a very, very recent number of years. What I can tell you is when you live through historic conditions, you, you, you lose the ability to rely on the market to be predictable. The way I look at the market now is that pretty much just about anything can happen. That's what I've been shown. That's what I've been taught over the last decade. Uh, you know, a softening could happen. And if you sell now at a premium and save money by leasing for a period of time, um, and then buy in a soft market, there's a good chance that you come out with really good financial circumstances. So uh, I hope this was valuable for you today. Quite a, bit of, uh, quite a bit of data and it's a little heavy. I'm more than happy to talk you through it if you're interested. Um, you know, a lot of our audiences, agents here in, the, here in the company that have the benefit of hearing this uh, and trainings on an ongoing basis. They've been hearing it for three months. When you didn't hear from me, they certainly they certainly did not have that luxury. So 
if you want to talk about it, reach out to me. You know how to find us. Um, Google my name. It's very, very easy to find. Also, if you're a real estate agent in the city of Louisville or surrounding markets, and you want to get admitted to our private Facebook group where we share some information like this, hit me up on social media. Any of the DMs on any of the channels can get you access. Um, you know, If you're interested in being a guest on the show, reach out to me. As you, uh, as you well know, we like to welcome guests and hear different opinions, debate. Um, I try to always bring you relevant content on, on a weekly basis, you know, outside of a pandemic, uh, stay at home order, et cetera. I like to bring you, bring, you, bring you the information that moves the needle for me. I like to give you, even if it's just for, you know, a few minutes once a week, I like to give you an insight as to the things that we talk about here inside the office, what makes us one of, if not the absolute most productive real estate company in the region on a per transaction per agent basis. Uh, you know, but here's the thing. Progressive tactics, tried and true tactics, they're all for not if you don't anything that works in our business. Uh, traditionally, is is futile if the timing isn't right. The market requires, okay, it requires you to respect what happened today as compared to what happened yesterday in order to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. Being nimble is incredibly important. Again, hope this uh, hope this data was was helpful for you. We'll be back next week. Um, if you haven't. Uh, I, I don't know if you're listening uh, via our our YouTube channel or, or our private Facebook group or on any of the podcast platforms. If you are listening to us on audio, I apologize that the, the graphics were not visible for you today. Hopefully, I did a good enough job narrating that. But uh, if you're on there and you wouldn't mind and you haven't yet, or even if you have, I mean, uh, I don't think there's any rules against doing it multiple times. Give us a five-star review. Really appreciate that. Give us some feedback. You can find me, like I said, pretty easily. Um, shoot me a note. Shoot me a text. Uh, tell me if I'm doing a terrible job or a good job and whether you appreciate or don't. I, I welcome all feedback. Trust me, I'm used to getting not-so-positive feedback sometimes. Uh, hope this was good for you. Thank you once again uh, for resource. Real talk about Louisville real estate. I am your host, Jay Pitts, broker owner at REMAX Premier Properties. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon.